We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast, where we talk about all things personal development, entrepreneurship, and unlocking your highest potential. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, and if you're new here, welcome to the show. I'm excited to share that in the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing some solo episodes where I'll be answering some of the audience's most pressing questions and sharing more about my own journey and what I've been personally learning and experiencing over the last few months, especially after leaving Atlanta, starting a cross-country road trip, and ending up in Las Vegas. So there's so much I can't wait to share with you. In order to make sure that you never miss a beat or an episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube where you can get the full video podcast and rate and review this show to help it continue to grow and reach more people. Now, in today's episode, I get to sit down with a very good friend of mine, Jake Kaufman, for a conversation about the intersection between mental health and entrepreneurship. Jake is an executive life coach and business consultant to seven and eight figure purpose-driven entrepreneurs and CEOs, and he was even a coach of mine back in the day. He supports other conscious entrepreneurs in expanding themselves personally so that they can exponentially grow professionally. He's coached hundreds of top online coaches, consultants, and CEOs to radically transform themselves and unlock their full potential in order to reach the next level of their purpose. And after a recent traumatic brain injury, Jake shares about how he's been learning a few new things about life and business, and he shares why he's choosing to do things differently. So if you are ready to unlock your potential and learn how to lean in to the discomfort while also finding balance. This episode is for you. Without further ado, let's jump in. What's up, Jake? Welcome back to the show. Super excited to have you here. Thanks so much, Tori. Glad to be here. It's been a bit since we've gotten to hang out in person, since I've been on the road, and um, I'm just pumped to pumped to catch up with you and see what's new because 
Last time you were on this show, we got such great feedback from that episode, the, the three most common lies that we believe and tell ourselves. Yeah. And I think it was because so many people can relate and they're just like, it just hits home. And that's why I wanted to have you back on the show because sure. you always have such like valuable insights. And I know you're so committed to your own growth that as a result of that, you're just naturally getting new downloads and new things you're learning. So I just want to like catch up, like what is it that you've been spending time on? What is it that you've been learning and that's been coming up for you? Because you had mm. a pretty kind of traumatic incident happen not too long ago that I would imagine <laughs> brought up some things for you to look at what, you know, can you tell people what happened and kind of what you've been experiencing over the last few months? Yeah, absolutely. Happily. I think it's been like over a year since our last episode. So yeah. obviously a lot of changes, a lot of pivots and, and transitions that have happened over that time. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I had a traumatic incident, um, a traumatic acute health incident about almost four months ago to the day, actually. And um, it, it's just really interesting um, because what I then experienced within myself as a result of the incident and I'm obviously happy to share more specific details about it, but just allowed me to further embody the work that I'm I'm constantly inviting my clients into, and I'm constantly encouraging that other people do in an effort to to reach their highest potential. Mm-hmm. Almost four months ago, I, I suffered a new onset seizure while I was on the golf course, and unfortunately, I happened to be standing on the 0.01% of the golf course that has concrete on it. And when I when I fell, I hit my head and suffered a traumatic brain injury. Uh, so as you can imagine, life ch- changed pretty dramatically. All of a sudden, my, my short-term, my midterm memory just quite simply was not there. I wasn't able to show up for work with my clients and my relationship in the way that I'm used to because my normal level of energy and motivation and inspiration just was was not there uh, and went through a pretty significant season of depression, anxiety, and sadness, which apparently is really common when it comes to traumatic brain injuries, all of which was very new to me. So of course I was like, what is going on? You know, the, re- the resources that I, I am used to uh, in terms of my energy, my emotional intelligence are just not there. I'm not able to access them. And because of that, you know, I experienced this pretty prolonged season uh, of depression. Ultimately, I think it was the necessary suffering that everyone must go through as they transition from the first half of life to the second half of life, which, you know, we'll get into a little bit later. But for context, only a few weeks prior to the seizure, and I'm not sure you even know this. A few weeks prior to the seizure, I was diagnosed with adult ADHD, which I know is something that you experience as well. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think you've you've mentioned that briefly in passing, but we haven't gotten into it. So was that a surprise for you or like putting puzzle pieces together? It didn't necessarily come as a surprise, but it's definitely one thing when you go from, I think I might have this and I resonate a little bit with it to being told, no, you absolutely do have this and and receiving that diagnosis. And so for me, what that looked like was all of these things that I had historically labeled as character flaws. Now, all of a sudden I, I had context for because I was like, oh, this is this is just how my brain works. 
but but with that, as you can imagine, because I had been labeling all of these things as character flaws, like a lack of consistency and self-discipline, all of these other things that are very common for people who experience ADHD, it, it caused me to experience an overwhelming amount of grief and sadness because you know, when you're judging yourself or making yourself wrong for something, even if it's unconsciously for decades, and you all of a sudden bring a certain level of conscious awareness to it, well, then you have to experience the emotions that come with it. Really, it just caused a prolonged state of hypervigilance and hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen in the bloodstream, um, which ultimately caused my seizure. At least this is what my my neurologist believes um, caused the seizure because everything came back clean as far as the EEG, MRI, CAT scans. So, you know, they had no reason to believe that it was caused by a tumor or a blood clot or anything like that. And so uh, that's what they were left with as far as what ultimately caused the seizure and led me to where I am today. I mean, any, you know, any health concern or accident is just it's so scary because all of a sudden your body's not doing what you know that it can do and that it's right it's not functioning in the way that it's designed to or that you you know are used to and so there's inevitably this emphasis on identity that comes up it's like who am Mm -hmm. I without these things who am I without my ability or my tool set of, you know, energy or focus Mm -hmm. or emotional intelligence as you were talking about, how did you reconcile that? Obviously you went into, Mm -hmm. you know, a seasonal depression around it of just being like, what Mm -hmm. the heck is going on? But how have you been able to kind of move through that season and what has it asked you to do? Like what have been the Mm -hmm. lessons that you've been taking away? Um, Because I know, you're you're a go-getter and you like to mm-hmm. get things done and you have so many projects <laughs> totally. that you're working on and you serve people in such a high at a high capacity what happens when you mm-hmm. when you're asked to slow down how was that uh, it's a, it's a really really good question and I, and I'm glad that you asked that because for me it was in short completely and fully surrendering to it because like you mentioned there's really nothing that you can do and this is really common in terms of what we see happen when someone transitions over from the first half of life to the second. And I'm happy to explain more about that. But what that looks like for most people is they experience death, disease, or divorce. When all of a sudden they are quite literally led to the edge of their resources who they've become up until that point and how they've operated up until that point and they can no longer do so. And in that moment is when we experience the necessary suffering that I talked about when all of a sudden we can't be the same person that we used to be and we can't continue to show up in the way that we used to show up. So it requires this dying, right? This dying to our old self, in an effort to cross over and become who we were meant to be, It's a return home. You know, in the world of personal transformation, you know, they say that so much of it is unlearning, not learning. You know, thankfully I, I had the awareness around what, (laughs) what I was in for, for lack of a better phrase, but most people don't. Right. Most people are not aware of what, is actually going on and why it's so important 
in that moment to fully surrender and give yourself over to that process because what typically ends up happening is the person self-sabotages, right, in an effort to go back to who they used to be mm-hmm. and return to their former way of doing and being and living mm-hmm. rather than fully crossing over and embracing the new identity that comes with this experience of waking up. Yeah. Cause it's what you just described, you know, death, disease or divorce are for a lot of people, their rock bottom moments, right? They're yep. these moments where once you experience it, you can't go back. Ultimately what you're describing is you're, you're different. Things have changed and there's no, reversing it and so then there's this period of acceptance or resistance we either fight it and we're in an internal battle and that's I think natural for so many of us we're like it shouldn't be this way that was my story it's like shouldn't be this way I shouldn't you know my body shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't have gotten that diagnosis we shouldn't have to deal with cancer it's not our fault why is this happening or whatever it is you know totally why did they do that to me they shouldn't have done that to me and anytime we're in that state mentally it's like we're saying we know better mm-hmm. than God but almost that we are God like, like we know what side of the of the sky the sun should shine in right it's like oh it shouldn't be over there it should be over mm-hmm. there right. and when we recognize like how crazy that is that we think we know best like the, that's i think the the default response because we want to control it we want to figure it out we want to understand why things are happening so that we can go back to safety and security and comfort and and quote unquote normalcy but as you know jake and those listening like the only constant in life is change that's the only guarantee is that we're all going to die and that things are going to change. And it's the natural evolution of our planet and our species. And we either can get on board with that or we can fight it and live in so much pain and suffering. And so, like, I totally hear what you're saying. And I recognize that in my own story. I also can um, imagine that for some people who may be like things are good. They're like, I, I don't want that to happen to me. Like I, I'm good how I am, you know, uh, that sounds scary and, and hard and I'm not, I don't want to go there. You know, can you talk about the, the difference between growing up and who we kind of are conditioned to be and this idea of ourselves and then how that evolves and how that we're asked to change and what you say, come home to actually the truth of who we are, not who we think we are. Yeah, so for some much-needed context, and thank you for uh, pivoting the conversation in that direction, you know, when we're really young, when we're children, right, we basically develop a part of our psyche known as our admired identity, which answers the question, who do I need to be, what do I need to do, and how do I need to be perceived in order to be loved, accepted, and successful, right? So we're constantly engaging the world around us, our primary caregivers, And we're asking ourselves that question unconsciously consistently throughout our childhood. And we're adapting our personality or better yet developing a personality to answer those questions, those fundamental questions around who do I need to be, what do I need to do, and how do I need to be perceived in order to receive love, acceptance, and ultimately be successful. But it's not actually who we are. 
It's an adaptation. It's a maladaptive coping mechanism that allows us to avoid pain. Because what happens if we don't do that? Well, then we're not loved. We're not accepted. We can't be successful. And so, as you can imagine, as we go throughout life, as we grow up, right, we unconsciously seek for ways to continue to reinforce this identity, this persona, which literally means character, the character that you are playing, that is not actually representative of who you really are. It is simply who you've become in an effort to be loved, accepted, and successful. Who was that version of Jake? Like, who was that for you? Who did you become in order to get love and acceptance and ultimately to be successful? Uh, the role of the high performer, right? I grew up as a, as a three-sport athlete, was really successful in, in my corporate career. Uh, and then obviously that just carried over into entrepreneurship where, you know, I'm constantly looking at what's next, what's next, what's next. How do I get to that next level of achievement or success? which I've developed over time as a skill, right? Because I started doing that unconsciously when I was a really, really young kid. And the trick with that one is that it's praised. It's, it, you get so much recognition and praise and it's, it takes a lot of self-awareness to actually be able to reflect on that and see that this is who I've learned to become because I was seeking out approval and acceptance and love and also untangle that from who was I before I learned how to perform. Right. Well, and, and that that is the really, really big issue that we see uh, with a lot of people, especially those who identify um, as a high performer or a success-driven person, entrepreneur, athlete, whatever it may be, is that they don't know who they are apart from that persona. And so when all of a sudden the resources that they have relied upon in an effort to keep that persona in place, when all of a sudden that is taken away, what they end up experiencing is an incredible amount of grief, depression, sadness, suffering. I mean, if we really want to get into it, this this literally speaks to the process of the hero's journey. Yeah. Right? The hero has to go into the cave, right? And the cave literally is defined by suffering and darkness. Yes, the darkness. Right. But very few people want to go there because it's so inherently uncomfortable and confronting. Because this persona, when you think about it, like I mentioned, at least for me, it became a skill. I became this incredibly high-performing athlete when I was a kid and then on into adulthood, this incredibly high-performing executive and now entrepreneur, influencer, what have you. But oftentimes, our greatest skill is actually an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid feeling pain. Well, it's like, why is the comedian the comedian? Why is the performer the performer? It's funny how you can look at your siblings and see the persona they took on. And that like, totally. oh, well, that one's taken, so I'll be this. You be, you know, you be the one that gets in trouble and acts out and gets attention and is the rebel and the renegade. And then I'll be the good girl right. that 100%. follows the rules. Yep. And I, you know what I mean? And it's, totally. it's just like, you get to dress up in this costume and I'll be this. And then we've, we've been it for so long, we think it's who we are. We're like, oh. Correct. That, and then like, I, you know, I dated um, 
a guy that played professional basketball uh, during college and right after college. And when I watched him go through uh, the ups and downs of being in the big leagues and then sent down, being in the big leagues, and every time having such an identity crisis around it. Because, and we see this, you know, I've had a lot of friends who performed or played at collegiate and professional levels, and it's always the same thing. It's like, I don't know what to do or who I am without this title. And we saw it all through COVID when people, whether it was executives or lawyers, they didn't have their big office to drive into. And it's like, who am I without this? And it requires us then to either, like you said, go into the darkness, go into the cave and actually self-reflect and ask ourselves these questions and care to know the answer, like actually want to know. Otherwise, I don't know, maybe you agree with me, maybe you have a different perspective on it, but like if we don't go there, what is the alternative? The alternative is living in misery and confusion our whole lives about what do we offer or where is our value outside of what we can do or what we used to do? Yep, 100%. What we're really talking about, right, is this is this process of, of waking up where we, where we shift from this stage that can be defined as, as growing up Right, where we seek to become successful, the focus is on winning and achievement and, and really establishing you know, a successful reputation, image. Well, waking up involves the killing of that persona, where we literally die to that persona because this is like our admired identity so that we can step into and fully embrace and live into our authentic identity. And what happens when we do that is we're able to go on, you know, what Richard Rohr refers to as this further journey where we're able to craft and create a life that is authentic to who we really truly are deep down. And when you think about the number one regret of the dying, what is the number one regret of the dying? It's that I wish I had lived a life true to myself and not according to other people's expectations. Number one regret. And so when you think about that, you realize very quickly that most people never actually go through this process. And if they are confronted by it, because, you know, let's be real, pain is an inherent part of the human experience. If they are confronted by it, they want nothing more than to go back to who they used to be before this necessary suffering that we're talking about, right? Death, disease, divorce, which are these the most common things that really thrust people into this dying process that is necessary in order for us to live up to our true potential and embrace our authentic identity. Most people have it backwards. They think that they need to achieve their way to their full potential when really you need to die your way there. I think life is always speaking to us. We can choose to listen or we can be forced to, to look at the things that we don't, we've been avoiding. And that typically comes in the forms of events that it's like, no, you're not gonna run from this anymore. Like now you're being forced to deal with this. Like your body's been telling you for, you know, five years that, that there's something going on and you've been ignoring it. And so now you're, you know, you're having to, to face the consequences of the, those choices. Because I really believe like as human beings, our 
power lies in our ability to choose and say like, I'm going to actually sit with this emotion and feel this thing or like look at this thing that's hurting me right or i'm going to continue to numb it i'm going to continue to distract myself i'm going to continue to go for the next best thing so so i don't have to i don't have to feel and we're in so like we live in such a culture where it's like every everywhere we turn it's like here's another way to manage your pain or to like relieve your pain Mm -hmm. or to stop feeling any pain and we have such a low tolerance for any type of discomfort and then correct that's why i think these you know the hero's journey can be so intense for people Mm -hmm. because it's in such stark contrast to the very comfortable life that we've been living before i want to take a quick second to invite you for an opportunity to join me for an exclusive 75-minute virtual breathwork class. Now, if you've never heard of breathwork before, this is one of the most powerful modalities that you can use to relieve stress, become more creative, sleep better, and heal yourself from the inside out. Breathwork has absolutely changed my life. And if you want to hear that story, you can find an entire podcast episode called You Are the Drug, where I actually talked to my teacher, Samantha Skelly, who... uh, helped me go through a seven-month trauma-informed breathwork facilitator program. And I'm not the same after experiencing not just that program, but learning how to use my breath as a way to calm my nervous system, as a way to regulate when I'm going through stressful or uh, overwhelming situations, and how to really just get out of my head and into my body. The best way I can describe it is the difference between knowing that you're okay, knowing that you're loved, and actually feeling your own love for the first time. And I struggled for so many years with body dysmorphia and feeling like I was crawling out of my skin, almost like wanting to trade my body in for another one because I had such a level of discomfort uh, feeling anything. Breathwork helped me to feel again and love again and connect with my intuition and my creativity and my sensuality in ways that I'd been so blocked from, I thought I would never be able to reconnect with. But Breathwork helped me do that. And I want to offer you guys an opportunity to experience that for yourself. I've had such an enormous response from the clients that I work with around how transformational this has been for them. So I've decided to host a monthly Breathwork class and you can join me virtually from anywhere in the world. It's 75 minutes in a facilitated safe space with other breathers. And all you have to do to join is go to my Stan store. You can find it on my Instagram or TikTok link in bio. We'll also put the link in the show notes for you to make it super easy. It's only $25 to join. We have upcoming sessions in July on the 13th and August on the 11th. So go over to the link that's in the show notes for Breathwork and you can sign up there. All right. Without further ado, we'll jump back into the episode. This theology, if you will, is very, you know, core to a lot of ancient mythology. When you think about like Homer and the Odyssey and a lot of other instances where, you know, you kind of have to go through hell to get to heaven. And, and most people, like you mentioned, they resist this process because they want to avoid the pain and the weakness involved, when in reality, pain and weakness is literally the way. Well, it's the fire. Like, you have to be refined in the fire. Correct. You have to go through the cave. And that's what, you know, 
a lot of uh, ancient mystics say that it requires this this necessary suffering in order to rock us and wake us up to the reality that we have been living in this persona, in this admired identity that is not actually who we are. It's just who we've become in an effort to be loved, accepted, and successful, right? So, so few people ever go through that process. Yeah, and what I want people to hear is that like, if you are in a season right now and you are suffering and you are going through it and maybe you've been completely blindsided by life and you did not see, you know, this breakup coming or, or this, you know, accident coming. It's like, I wasn't prepared for this and I don't know how I'm going to get through this. It's like, you're in the fire right now for a reason. Right. And I want you to hear like, it's not because you're doing life wrong. Right. You know, Glennon Doyle says, life isn't hard because you're doing it wrong. It's hard because you're doing it right. Correct. This is part of the growth process. It's part of your evolution. So can you like try on the belief that maybe you're exactly where you need to be experiencing exactly what you need and that there's nothing wrong. It's actually part of your, your process and your refinement. Yep. If I'm completely honest, like Jake, I'm still in this process. Like I am not beyond it. Like there's still parts of me that are connected uh, so and like gripping on to this ego identity or this admired identity of being this this girl that fit into this box and looks this way and does these things and acts this in the, in these ways and that's appropriate and that's labeled good. Yep. And yeah. it's so hard for us to detach from those that story and that belief that if I'm anything other than this, I'll be abandoned, rejected, unlovable, unwanted, alone. Right. Which somatically speaking, like soma meaning body, our nervous system experiences everything that you were just mentioning, rejection, abandonment, etc. It literally experiences it as I might not make it. It does not know the difference between those things and dying. And so there's so much internal resistance that comes up when we experience the possibility of those things, right? Not not even the reality of those things, but the possibility of those things. So we are constantly trying to protect from experiencing those things or feeling the emotions attached to those things. When in reality, we have to experience those things and the emotions attached to those things so that we can separate ourselves from this identity and return home to who we actually truly authentically are. So how do we do that? Like, like, Oof. Is, is there, is there a process? Yeah. Is it trial and error? Like how <laughs> do we disentangle mm-hmm. who we th- thought for our whole lives? Yeah. This is who we are and come home, if you will, to the truth of who we are, because the that feels so unfamiliar, sure. right? That feels so, it's like, who is this version of me? Who is that person? Right. And how do you know when you find it as opposed to a different version or a different adaptation of sure. a similar persona, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. Great question. Um, well, I think first and foremost, if you're familiar with the hero's journey, every hero needs a guide. Every hero needs a guide to be able to usher them and guide them through this dying process, through the cave, so that 
they can come out on the other side and you know slay the dragon or or ascend to the mountaintop whatever that looks like and in the language that we've been using right reach your full potential whatever that specifically looks like for you achieve your um, god-given purpose or your divine purpose so what that has looked like for me historically and, and you know you're in the entrepreneurial world so we hear this all the time like the importance of hiring a mentor and and getting consistent mentorship um, so I think it really just comes down to getting the right mentorship to support you in this deconstruction process because that's what it really is, right? Is you separating yourself um, and who you are from this identity that you've been unconsciously building, uh, creating and reinforcing for decades uh, so that you can transcend it and live up to your, your highest potential. Uh, so I think mentorship is key. Um, and when you really think about it, what is the admired identity? Um, how is it built? How is it really established? Well, it's built around trauma right? and, and, and pain because we experience pain, right? We experience pain, we experience trauma, whatever that looks like, whether it's emotional, physical, or otherwise as a child. And so what does our psyche do? It adapts it overcompensates in an effort to not experience that again. And that's how this, over time, as we grow older and go through adolescence, um, we further uh, build and create this identity in an effort to not experience or re-experience the pain that we, we did growing up. And so it requires that we confront that. We have to confront that. In terms of modalities, like, I don't think there's any adequate replacement for therapy, for quality therapy. Um, you know, I, I think it's becoming now more and more mainstream that like your mental health is just as, if not more important than your physical health, your emotional health, all of these different things. And so we're, we're now starting to see, you know, going to therapy as like an essential part uh, of living. High quality therapy is massively important, counseling, and, and then also coaching, right? Which is the world that you and I live in, uh, where after someone has worked with a clinician or a professional in an effort to, to heal from their trauma, because we all have emotional trauma, then working with a guide to really transcend that identity so that we can start to actually build a life or, you know, in the case of entrepreneurs, build a business that is now reflective of this brand new identity, which is when we start to, to answer your second question, which is when our desires, our goals really start to transform. Because like I mentioned in this first half of life, the goal is really all focused around success, achievement, money, right? In entrepreneurship, we, we see this um, where the focus is um, around having a cash-based business, right? How do we as a business make as much money as possible? And when you go through this dying process, this transformational process of moving from your admired identity to your authentic identity, those things don't matter nearly as much anymore. And so all of a sudden you see this transmutation or experience this transmutation of your core motivations and goals for yourself. And what we often see in entrepreneurship is people shifting from focusing on a cash-based business to a results-based business. How do I have the biggest, deepest impact as possible? How do I serve the most amount of people? How do I 
be in highest contribution, give back, be generous. We have become so habituated and we have put so much time and energy and effort into building up this admired identity, we need to spend a significant amount of time and one could almost argue an equal amount of time into deconstructing it. You know, there's this concept called the Saturn return. It takes 29 years for Saturn to revolve around the sun. In, in astrology, they say in the first half of life, in the first 29 years of your life, the theme is all about building up this identity, right? And and further, reinf and further reinforcing it, propping it up, if you will. And the second half of life, the next 29 years of your life is all about deconstructing that identity. And in astrology, they say if you if you don't start that process right around, you know, your 29th birthday, you basically don't get the chance to do it again until, you know, your next Saturn return, which is when you are 58, right? And what happens at like right around age 58 for a lot of people? A midlife crisis. Because because they haven't done they haven't done the necessary work when they were right around 29 or 30 to deconstruct this identity and all of a sudden they wake up one day and they're like, oh my gosh, this job, this marriage, this life, this career that I've worked so hard to build, I don't want anything to do with it. And it usually takes what we talked about earlier, death, disease, or divorce to wake them up to the reality of that, right? And then you see people like, you know, leaving their marriage of 30 years or like, quitting their job and, you know, becoming a nomad and traveling the world or becoming a monk or, you know, buying a motorcycle or whatever it is in, in spirituality, right? It's, it's the, it's the construction, deconstruction, and then reconstruction process that if, if you're on a spiritual journey, um, you, you basically must go through if you want to, uh, ascend, right. Or, or reach your true potential, live your higher purpose. As we've stated before though, that's super uncomfortable for people. Unfortunately, most are continuing to live in old ways of being and doing. Like when we're little kids, what, matter, what matters to little kids the most? Playing. So one of the things that we see the big mistake people make in an effort to continue to reinforce their admired identity is disproportionately focused on success, but at the cost of their health and their hobbies and their overall level of happiness. So many adults are not prioritizing play, but when we're kids, what matters the most? Playing. You even think about dolphins. Dolphins are the only animals to have evolved out of the water, but then back into the water because they're like, eh, we're like good in the water. Scientists and biologists have studied dolphins so much. Well, what is the number one thing that, that dolphins prioritize outside of eating? It's play. So here you have one of the smartest animals on the planet, the only species to evolve out of the water and back into the water. And what do they spend more time doing than anything else? playing yeah it's essential it's part of our to your point about coming home it's it's our natural state it's a natural state and part of who we are because we don't have to be taught how to play it's like pre-baked in <laughs> to to who we are like we we're taught how to we grow out of it 
Correct. We're taught how to work, right? We're taught, um, but but kids naturally play. It's it's just what we do. Yeah, it's part of our divine blueprint, like you mentioned. It's it's baked in, so to say, or as you put, where yeah, nobody has to encourage us as kids to to go play. We just naturally do it. Yeah, and to use our imagination and to be creative and to create. What we've just wound up creating is a world that is hyper-focused on performance instead of cultivating our creativity and our intuition and our playfulness and all of the things that are um, way more uh, closer to, to what we're like, who we truly are. And so we just like journey away from it throughout our lives and that's the coming home. It's coming home to like, who was I before I learned who I was supposed to be who I needed to be in order to be loved or in order to survive ultimately. So where are you at in this process? What are your biggest takeaways from this season of your life? I know you've woken up before this, but I imagine it was like a, a re like a, like just a resubmersion into the, you know, into looking at who am I and uh, what does that mean to me and what's true for me now in this stage of your life? Totally. That's a great question. Yeah, it's just a, a deeper level or or the next level that I got to go uh, within myself personally to further embody the work that I already do with my clients and uh, and con- am constantly preaching to, to other people. Uh, it's, a, it's another layer of the onion, if you will. But, you know, really what I've begun to embrace is slowing down. You know, and and really contemplating and considering the question, like, who am I without the need to perform? And what would I be doing without the pressure to perform? Because I don't know about you, but for me, the answer isn't working. <laughs> it's not, it's not, wor- it's not spending more time working. It's actually spending more time doing the things that I love the most, which are cooking for people that I'm excited to be around, traveling hiking, camping, spending time with friends and family. Uh, And so for me, it's really just embracing uh, this season uh, of slowing down and and reinvesting more time and energy into those things. And and furthermore, actually seeking, how can I include more of those things in my work? So for, you know, example, I am hosting a retreat for, for men in September, you know, because I love travel. I, I love adventure. We're doing it in Zion National Park, which is one of my favorite places on earth. And we're gonna be we're gonna be cooking while we're there. And so it's incorporating all of these things that I love, that I secretly gravitate to without anyone's encouragement or permission, right? Because I, I firmly believe that we always gravitate, we always silently gravitate towards the things that we love the most. And so when you start to incorporate and bring these things uh, into your work, into your purpose, into your life, well, what happens inevitably, your quality of life and your overall level of happiness increase. And so for me, it's just spending more time doing those things and, and seeking to further incorporate those things into the work that I'm already doing with my clients and in my purpose. Mm-hmm. It's so good because it's like, it's the the process of not just talking about it, but then like walking it out, living it out, embodying it at a d- deeper level. 
And um, I think this old, this whole conversation is a perfect pairing to our, our initial conversation on this show, um, which I encourage people to go back and listen to because all of what we're talking about hits on one of those lies that um, we talked about in that episode, which is I am what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am what I do. And so this, this entire conversation, what we're really talking about is reevaluating and remembering that our worth Mm-hmm. Our self-worth isn't dependent on our performance. Like that we've got gotten away from the human being and we've redefined that as human doing. And it's it's <laughs> totally. this new season of life that is like less focused on I am what I do. I'm more engaged and more concerned about who am I being when I'm doing anything, mm-hmm. right? Sure. How am I showing up when I am doing stuff? Who am I being in those moments? It's like... Let me focus on the beingness of being with my friends and being in, in community and being of service, of, of just being in nature, being still, not just like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next thing I can cross off the list? Totally. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of been what I've been exploring and, and contemplating and spending more time investing in. So beautiful. And I love that you're creating spaces for other people to do that, um, like your retreat. What else do you have going on? I mean, you're, you coach some of the some of the best in this space. Um, I've had the privilege of working with you. Um, what does what does business look like for you right now? And uh, if people want to mm-hmm. know more about what you've got going on, how to connect with you off off the air, tell them where they can find you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So best place to connect with me is on Instagram. My handle is I am Jake Kaufman, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. But as far as what I what else I have going on, working on wrapping up my book. So well into that process, we're uh, moving on into um, further stages with the editing. And so um, looking for that to be published uh, more towards the end of the year. We don't have a publishing date yet, but if you follow me on Instagram, obviously we'll keep you posted and up to date with all things regarding the book. Yeah, that's super exciting. And men, if you're interested in the retreat, yeah, definitely go check out Jake's work. He works with both women, men, men and women. But um, yeah, that sounds like an awesome opportunity to to hang out with the, the boys if you're looking for community and looking for people who are committed to growth. Uh, Jake is one of them, and he knows many of them. So uh, just thanks for being here. Thanks for being on the path and continuing to share you know, your learnings and wisdom um, as you walk it. I appreciate you for being a, a friend and a, a mirror for me, and uh, you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thanks so much, Tori. I appreciate you having me. Okay, till next time, you guys, go be coachable. We love you, and uh, see you next week on the Coachable Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.